In early 2016, I was making summertime plans to visit my brother and sister-in-law who lived in Chicago at that time. And I saw that Chicago at that time had this The Max restaurant coming to Chicago. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you know immediately this reference. The Max was the name of the restaurant where the kids from Saved by the Bell did their thing every week in that show. It's a TV show I grew up on. Zach Morris and A.C. Slater and Kelly Kapowski and all this crew, all, all of them were always in the max for this TV show. Think, you know, the, the Cheers bar or Enterprise on Star Trek. Write this iconic location to some kind of beloved era of characters and stories. Well, Chicago had this pop-up replica there and it was open for business. And as a child who spent a good bit of my childhood glued to this TV show and these stories and these characters, I had an immediate and visceral reaction. I dropped everything, I went to the website, and I looked to get a reservation for dinner while in Chicago that summer with brother and sister-in-law. Apparently a whole lot of visceral reaction too. It was book solid for months. I couldn't get a reservation. All it said is just know that every night at 10 p.m. we will open the doors to first come, first serve if we've got some extra availability at that time. So where do you think I was at 9 p.m. in a semi-lit alley in Chicago with my brother when visiting? In line with dozens of others. We got in and it was, oh, it was spot on, perfect replica of the Zach Morris era Saved by the Bell Max. Within minutes, my brother and I are seated. We're ordering for $35 a burger, fries, and a soda. For the equivalent of average fast food, you paid what? That is the irrational power of nostalgia. Nostalgia is a word derived from the Greek nostos, return home. And algos, pain. Which means it quite literally is an ache to return home. More precisely, a beloved home. A home cherished. A home perhaps lost. A home maybe that honestly when it was unfolding, it was pretty ordinary or confusing or, or even painful. But anymore, there's kind of a glow, and aura about it Any. More with an inexplicable longing to know that again. Lord, is this the time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time when the golden glow of Israel yesterday is today again? Centuries ago, the kingdom of Israel had, had briefly been reunited under the great King David. All 12 tribes... In Israel, something of a formidable military and political power. Now, if you actually read the story of this time in the Old Testament, you see that this time was hardly some pristine, perfect reality. But in time, this particular era of Israel's history under King David had, had acquired a glow. 
a time when all the family was together, the tribes, the people, a home, a home to long for once again. Jesus, now that you've risen from the grave, you have proven more powerful than death, sin, evil, the very worst of this world. Will you now use that kind of power to bring back yesterday's home today? To be sure, the disciples aren't totally crazy. They, uh, we know that when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, the angel told her that this Jesus would be given, quote, the throne of David. But then even after three years of Jesus' ministry, making it pretty clear that this kingdom is, is quite different from the political military one for which they were hoping, boy, that potent pole of, of nostalgia still goes deep. It's got a logic all of its own. In my case, when I first heard about that Saved by the Bell pop-up, it went something like this in my deep unconscious, though I would never have been able to put it into these words at that moment. You're telling me someone went out, built one of these central images of my yesterday home in an era that, quite frankly, feels a lot more comfortable and safe, an era where I spent most of my days with friends and playing sports, in an era when my parents are still together and not divorced. You're telling me someone went and made that home? Oh, a semi-lit dark alley and 35 bucks is dirt cheap for a ticket home. Have you known the ache for a yesterday home? I bet we can name some specifics from our personal lives. We see versions of that take hold in every generation, in our national narrative, in the church. And look, nostalgia, a visit to nostalgia, pouring over old photos, walking through the home of our childhood, playing the music of our formative years. I mean, it can be a really beautiful way to give thanks for, for some of what we've known, the gift that we even know it to begin with. The dangers when we try to make past home our singular vision for future home. We as a church, we know society and church continue to change and things are not nearly like they were 50 years ago. Goodness, let alone 20 or 10. Or... And yet how easily a vision of the successful, good, faithful church is one full of human beings and one dedicated worship space on a Sunday morning because for many of us that is an image that is flooded with faces and names and smells and sounds of a beloved yesterday. Lord, if we keep up the property, if we double down our energy and our effort, if, if, will you bring it back just like it was? We'll pay anything. The ancient wisdom of the Bible has long anticipated the human heart's natural inclination on this front. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Jesus did not quote that, but he could have quoted that verse from Ecclesiastes when the disciples asked if he was going to restore yesterday today, could have gone with Ecclesiastes in response to this longing. Jesus could have said, in response to these disciples, longing for yesterday, today, could have said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Because the truth is, the stronger the nostalgia, the stronger the ache for someone or something of yesterday, the deeper the present grief. I would suggest the reason that nostalgia in our time is so potent in pop culture, in politics, in, in, in paint and decor choices. I think it's very much related to the fact that one of the unspoken pervasive things we are experiencing as a society is a profound grief amid great and significant and fast change. Jesus could have comforted the disciples. Blessed are those who mourn. Doesn't. Could have. Could have been blunt. Could have said, uh, God is in the business of making all things new. I'm a God of new creation. I'm a God of resurrection who always does something far more than you could have ever asked for or imagined. This God does not live in the sun-kissed past, but in the present with a promise for the future. I'm a God of resurrection. Could have given some blunt theological truths about the person, character of God. Didn't. Jesus doesn't quote Ecclesiastes, doesn't comfort the grieving, doesn't give clear theological truth. He paints a picture of a future vision complete with a promise. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus himself, comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Which is to say, no one is coming here to rebuild a political kingdom in Israel. People shall not come like magnets unto God's people, centralized here. Rather, God's people are to go out among their own people, Jerusalem and Judea, similar people, among their enemies, Samaria, Samaritans, and they'll also go out to complete strangers, the ends of the earth, the, the unknown Gentile world. And in those encounters, God's people are live in such a way that they witness to Jesus. They show and they speak and they live as the body of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. In all those spaces. If there's a vision of home in our passage, it's about God's people finding new home again and again among all those people and conversations and work and realities unfolding in these spaces. I was at an event at the Larkinow Bookstore just across the other side of the square here in Georgetown about three weeks ago. It was a Tuesday evening, and there were three panelists at this particular event uh, discussing a book by the retired Presbyterian pastor Lou Sneed. And the book is entitled Confessions of a Recovering Racist. What White People Must Do to Overcome Racism in America. You can imagine how fraught this discussion felt. Turns out they had 50 spots for RSVPs for this event, and they sold out. So uh, they decided to take a few people off the waiting list and add more seating than they normally have for an event. And it was quite a mix of folks. I saw a handful from this church and a handful from some other churches I'm aware of in the area. Handful that I'm aware don't touch a church remotely, ever. 
And then a whole bunch I didn't know. And then I was aware of, of some folks who were politically this way, and I was aware of some folks who were more politically this way, and, and, then, and then a whole bunch I, I don't know. It opened with this Native American woman reading a land acknowledgement. She named and honored and gave thanks for the tribes who originally inhabited this land. During the Q&A, it was obvious that was pretty new for most everyone there to have ever heard. From there, we heard these stories, the insights, these questions. We heard a, a black woman speak up and, and talk about the fear she has for the well-being of, of her own children and, and, and her low sense of hope right now. We heard another uh, black woman stand up a little bit older and says that where she finds hope is in the likes of Harriet Tubman. Women like her that had far less and did far more in the face of so much. That gets her out of bed. We heard Lou Sneed, the author of the book himself, confess and talk about his own racial bias in stark terms. We heard a, a black man and a, and a white man here in Georgetown who sat together at this talk about how they have nourished this 12 years of friendships that anymore they're, they're basically soul friends. They told a little of their story. We heard one black woman stand up and, and she says, look, if anyone here who's white wants a black friend because that's just hard to come by, I'm here. I will take you to coffee or lunch. And she had a line at the end of the event. And another one, another black woman said, I'm so glad for her. That's not me. I'm tired right now. I can't, I can't do that in the same way right now. And the Native American woman, she finishes the evening with a word about the centrality of relationships across difference. I confess those 90 minutes at times uh, were deeply uncomfortable, uniquely insightful, and, and also surprising in level of inspiration. How many people wanted to be in the thick of a hard conversation on a random Tuesday night to the point of selling out, aching for another better way and realizing it's going to be through, not around the conversation. And at some point, it, it struck me during the evening that we have Jerusalem right here, which is to say we have kind of the fellow familiar church folks, quite literally. Yeah. We have what some might call Samaria right here together, some different ends of the political spectrum for sure. We have the ends of the earth right here in the sense that we definitely have strangers all gathered whose stories, backgrounds, and ethnicities are foreign in rather significant ways. And the call of the church is not, let's get all those people in this room and, 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 and get them into the rhythm just like we do the rhythm. But how do we get there? I mean, goodness, if, if that is where some of the community is showing up to the point of selling the event out, if, if, if that's some of the hard conversation around which the community is working and acting, and is this then somehow, some way, somewhere, how you would, the space you would have us witness in? To your person, your character, your love. Would you call us in, in this strange and uncomfortable space to... To discover home? If not there, where do we sense ourselves called to be in and part of and even at home with where the community truly, not yesterday, but today? Where? How do we name that?
It may not be something totally new and previously unconsidered. It may be simply recognizing that, you know what, already in our day-to-day life, we spend a good bit of time with someone or some ones. And, and we will remember today that our call is to let God's light and love and truth witness through us in that space and to be open to receive God's light and love and truth in that space. You will receive the power of the very Holy Spirit And then go, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. While Jesus was then going, they were gazing up to heaven. Commentators note here, the sense is that the disciples are standing stuck, wondering what to do. Because a lot of their vision for home has just been radically turned upside down. I thought it was all happening here. You flipped it upside down. And part of the reason we, we commentators sense that the issue is that the disciples just aren't getting it is because two angels arrive almost immediately and say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? The tone, the implication is it's, it's time to move. It's time to trust. Time to live into the work God has for you. The very spirit of Jesus himself is coming upon you. We may not relate for a longing for the kingdom of King David. We may not hunger to show up to a Saved by the Bell pop-up. But I wonder what are the ways that nostalgia pulls deeply upon our heart? Does it ever pull to such a degree that the feet get stuck? That the wallet gets stuck trying to pay whatever to bring it back. And what does it look like to name afresh that our only hope, home and hope, our only home in life and in death is not the family of yesterday, the nation of yesterday, the church of yesterday. Our only home in life and in death is Jesus himself. And what if his word is this today? Look unto the current folks alongside whom you journey. Jerusalem, Judea. Now look upon those who greatly upset you, grieve you, yet under your skin. Samaria. And now peek unto those who are just strange, different, just different ethnicity, different culture, different age, generation, just peek at them for a moment. Okay. That's where you will find home. That's where I'm calling you. That's where I'm already making a new home. My spirit goes with you. Empowered by that spirit which cannot help but abide and make a home in each of us, may we step with courage. Amen.